Hey friends, Kylie here, your host of Dream On with Kylie O'Miller, back for another episode with another gem in the lacrosse world, fellow professional lacrosse player, and one of the wisest, funniest people that I know. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. These episodes are recorded from a live Zoom webinar that I hold through the KO17 Lacrosse app and are constructed into this Dream On podcast that you have found here. I hope you are gaining some insight from these episodes from some of the people that I've met throughout my lacrosse journey that have imposed so much of their wisdom on me. We've got another really special guest this week, and I'm really pumped to get right into it. Lauren Murray is another professional lacrosse player whom I met on our journey across the world to Japan back in 2018. A stranger pre-flight, but someone I had also known through the lacrosse world and through a very few close personal encounters on the field as opponents. In this episode, we talk about all that post-collegiate lacrosse life and the moments and people within your proximity that become special throughout the journey. Lauren is someone you're going to want to listen to. With her wit and wisdom, I could have had this episode last at least three hours. I hope you take a little bit of love and laughter from this one. Get your notepads ready, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dream On. Um, We're doing it live here with Lauren Murray, Um, another one of my professional lacrosse player friends. Um, We're going to have some fun on this one. I know I talked to a couple of you earlier today um, and you guys said you were going to be on here listening. I was like, I hyped this one up a lot. I'm sorry, Mer. I really did because, um, you know, it's going to be fun. We've had a lot of good memories over the last couple of years and I haven't seen you in a little bit. So we got a little bit of catching up to do. Um, But for those of you who don't know, um, Lauren Murray, a little bit about her. She is a gem. She went to John Jay High School. She was an All-American, three-sport athlete, uh, cross-country and basketball, as well as lacrosse. She ended up at Northwestern, um, and now she is a professional lacrosse player, most recently with the WPLL Pride, um, would guard me every time we played the Pride, and it was so much fun. Um, (laughs) But Mer, thank you so much for hopping on and hanging out with us today. I'm super excited to dive into it. Thanks so much for having me. I am absolutely stoked to be here. <laughs> awesome. So we like to start with something that I like to call off to a good start. Um, a lot of times we do interviews and things like that, and we just kind of go straight to the, hey, when did you start playing lacrosse? Um, but I want to know what you are thankful for today, Mer. I am thankful for, I think, a few things. Generally, Um, I've been fortunate everyone in my life, friends and family have remained pretty happy and healthy throughout the coronavirus period. So, you know, it's important to obviously take note of that and and be thankful for that um, each and every day. And then personally, I started a new job about two months ago now, which is remarkable because it feels like just a second. but I had unfortunately been laid off earlier this spring due to the coronavirus. So for me, like that was really big to get back into like a new opportunity and start flexing my professional muscle. Um, So super, super thankful for that opportunity each and every day and pouring my heart and soul into it. (laughs) Fully virtual, I'm assuming. Fully virtual. (laughs) I have not met anyone that I currently work with in person which is admittedly a challenge, but not one that I am afraid of. (laughs) We aren't afraid of challenges here. I love that. Um, Awesome. Good for you. Congratulations on the new job, first and foremost. Um, I'm sure you're going to crush it as you do everything else. Something 
that you are proud to say that you accomplished today? Oh man. Well, if you know me, I kind of have two speeds. It's either I'm doing everything all at once or I'm laying in my bed watching the Great British Bake Off. So today I'm thankful that I took a moment out of my very hectic day to witness firsthand the first snowfall in New York City um, and to really just like enjoy that for a couple still minutes with a fresh coffee in hand, um, you know, just trying to be a little bit more present and mindful in the busyness of everything going on and the end of the calendar year work-wise. So I'm proud that I was able to carve out that time for something special. You know, that took me by complete surprise today. Um, I wish, <laughs> I wish that I had known what was going on because I was actually like, I wish I had time to, or I wish I did what you did and was a little bit more present, had a coffee in hand. I was walking out the door to go do some lessons outdoors. And I had no idea <laughs> that it was raining, uh, sorry, snowing. Um, no idea. I had no idea that we were even in that time period yet. So I walked out the door and I was like, what is what's happening? What's happening? What's falling from the sky? So um, I'm glad you were able to appreciate it. I went outside <laughs> and we got some reps anyway, um, because that's what we do. Okay, so, champions adapt, right? Champions adapt. And I can guarantee you that both of us probably played 75% of our college lacrosse career games in the snow. So Always. Um, <laughs> we love it. But last but not least, something that you're pumped to go out and chase, whether it's tomorrow, next week, the next year, um, what would that be for you? I think in the immediate term, while we are still respecting all of the health advisories and guidelines, it would be to discover a new inside hobby that likely will be craft focused. And I am trying to decide between knitting and or something else. So chasing a new hobby to like keep me tactically engaged would be great. Or maybe cooking and baking and like discovering new recipes uh, in that world. And then further down the road, I think it would be to just like identify my next opportunity to really compete and something that I think would mentally and physically challenge me. Like I have said forever that I will never run a marathon and I probably won't, but maybe I would do a half or like <laughs> some sort of series of races or like something that would push me outside of my comfort zone. Um, that is like an energy that I crave because I think that's where, you know, most if not all of growth lives. So I am chasing being uncomfortable in a way that helps me grow and just like expand my horizons. Good for you. I also have said that I will never run a, a marathon and I'm going <laughs> to stick to my word on that because I'm loyal. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you for, for your um, ambitions. And I love what you said about being uncomfortable and like, that's where growth happens. Right. Um, a lot of times I, I tell our KO 17 lacrosse girls, like get comfortable being uncomfortable because that's like, those are the, where you're going to take the next steps to greatness in the things that feel really crappy right now, like your weekend, right? Never feels great. Um, you know, things like that, but we can't, I don't have a weekend. Who are you talking about? That's what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> she's sprinting up the left side of the field in the left hand. There's, there's no difference. You don't know. 
I, I have a less that. dominant hand is what yeah. I like to call it. We have two very, very strong hands. That's all that matters. <laughs> Those are our goals is to get comfortable being uncomfortable. I love that you said that, that that's where growth lives. Um, so good for you. And I'll be cheering you on when you hit your half marathon um, on the <laughs> sideline, <laughs> very happily on the sideline. Um, but let's talk about, you know, the intro to our friendship. Um, because I'm super excited about this. We, uh, you know, we got to play against each other in, what was it? 2018 after I graduated from Stony Brook and it was my first or second, um, professional game ever. And we were at Hofstra, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like we don't, we didn't even know each other this game. We didn't know each other. We didn't say hello. We were just kind of laughing on the field because, your coach decided to face guard me in the middle of the game. And you looked at me and you go, I'll never forget this. You look at me and you go, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> and fast forward a couple of years, here we are. But um, it's just so funny to look back on it. We went to Japan together. Um, and I'm super excited to hear your side of like some of your favorite memories from that trip. But um you know, what, what is your first impression of like when we met and how we became friends and all of the things that I just listed right there, like the Japan trip and things like that? I mean, it's really a tale as old as time. I think <laughs> everyone can relate <laughs> uh, to being tasked with walking up to not only a complete stranger to you personally, but also like one of the most respected and decorated athletes of like my lacrosse lifetime. And my job was to stare at your belly button for like an extended period of time um, and to try to prevent you from like the inevitable behind the backs and goal scoring that would ensue. Um, I think honestly, like knowing you now, I couldn't have picked a better entry point because I think that sort of just was the foundation of our relationship on and off the field. Um, and like, you know, in between the action plays, like not everyone will joke around on the field. And some people are just like zoned in the whole time. Whereas I feel like we were able to kind of enjoy while the ball was on the other side of the field. And then as soon as it crossed back over the 50, it was like locked in focus game time. I wanna beat you so badly. You wanna beat me so badly. Um, and then, you know, outside of the whistles, we would just pal around again and having that familiarity, like we didn't really chat, you know, during the game that much, but taking that to Japan where, you know, you have this mutual respect and you have this familiarity where you really get invested in someone's story and like learning who they are and learning what their experience has been and really like digging deep into your shared experience um, and then really just like tapping into them for their perspective and like that's why Japan was such a great trip was because we were all sort of pushed into this world of like no one has an immediate like best friend buddy that you're going with like everyone is kind of going and immersing themselves in a completely new world and just being able to enjoy it truly with people that you're also just starting to enjoy, um, you know, a, a blossoming friendship with as well. 
I think that's probably the best way to put that. Like there was no best friends on that trip prior to. Um, and I think like going into it too was scary in a sense, right? And I think the way that me and Lauren Lee put it was um, like you knew each other on Instagram, mm-hmm. right? Or you, you would interact on Instagram, like you knew each other well enough to like throw a comment here and there and be like, well, this is sick. But like when you're actually stuck in a hotel room with someone, <laughs> on the other side of the world you know what I mean and it's like you're trying to make plans and you're trying to talk to people who don't speak your language and you're trying to do all these different things like you immediately you know have to get close and have to understand each other's perspectives and um, dig a little deeper and know each other a little bit better so um, I think there's no better way to form a friendship right like to just throw you across the world Um, yeah and I think we have like experience in that obviously on a smaller scale, just going through camps and the recruiting process. And like for you folks on the call and then everyone will be listening in the future, um, you know, take those moments at water breaks and while you're waiting in line and uh, on the sideline of a scrimmage to like get to know someone and try to drum up some genuine chemistry and like share a laugh and just, kind of anchor yourself in, in what you're all experiencing. Um, because this is, these are the things that you will, you will miss and you will crave later on. Uh, and they really do help form like the meat of what your Blue Cross experience is, which is always the people. So like I, as scary as that trip was for, you know, like all of these things that we were going to be accomplishing in just a couple of days, I did feel like we were prepared just coming through the natural, you know, lacrosse process of just like being able to make friends on the fly and like, Hey, I'll set you up on the, on this next play or like, Hey, look out for this. Like just supporting one another. Um, I think like we kind of develop naturally and it's important to just like recognize that. I think you said something really important there that I definitely want to harp on. And it's something that you hear from athletes afterwards, um, after collegiate careers or after their careers are over. um, So many people in so many different interviews will say like, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite memory? What will you miss the most? And it's always the people, like you said, it's always the people, no matter what locker room it is. It's always, you know, the special funny memories and moments and things like that. And I can't wait to ask you about, you know, your time at Northwestern and all of those moments for you. Um, but you know, before we get into that, I think it's super important to, to remember that the little moments are going to be the big ones one day. That yeah. You it's, it's the people. And it's always, it's also like the proximity of the people, like mm-hmm. as you get older, you know, like in college, I lived in a dorm or at least across the street from all of my immediate close friends. Um, and now we're scattered around the country because we all like came to Northwestern and everyone came from different places. And so like when you are going through it and you have like those additional touch points that are just like baked into your schedule, you can appreciate the people. I think the proximity is something that you don't necessarily realize until later. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like every moment counts. It Everyone says it, it's true. <laughs> It's very, very true. We sound cliche, but we promise we're right. (laughs) I love it. Um, All right. So let's backtrack a little bit here. 
let's right, finally right. get into how did you start playing lacrosse your very itty bitty days you know what first introduced you to the sport when did you first pick up a lacrosse stick what made you fall in love with the game that we both love so I'll take you back in time to about 2003 and I only rem remember that because the grade that I was in always corresponds to like the calendar year in the 2000s so like in 2003 I was in third grade and that's when I started that's, lacrosse. that's very very a useful tool when I'm in my 80s <laughs> and so my seems older brother <laughs> what did you say it seems already useful which yeah. is not concerning <laughs> <laughs> yes already useful now um so my I have an older brother Ryan who is three years older than me he played lacrosse so he was already in like organized sports um at that age and like we lived in this neighborhood that was right next to our school, our high school. Uh, and so like all of our little like neighborhood crew, like everyone was playing with sticks and uh, we had a goal in our backyard. And so, you know, we would just like come over and pal around. Um, and so what often ended up happening was they would just stick me in goal with limited padding and like maybe a helmet if I was lucky. Um, and I just like kind of enjoyed building that like relationship with my brother, I think, and like his friends and like, it was cool that I was able to be a part of it. And like, I'm just, I was just trying to hang out, you know? Um, so that's like, that was my first real intro was playing around with them in the backyard. And then also just like, I was at every single tournament um, because I was like, not an autonomous young person. And so I just was oh, like, we're a big sports family. Um, and so it was just like an opportunity to watch people compete, which who doesn't love that? So that's sort of when I started. And what's interesting, I think, is I started organized lacrosse the same year that I started organized basketball. But like it was a totally different sports experience. Like, I don't, did you, when did you start lacrosse? Not to turn this back on you, oh. but <laughs> you want to hear a fun fact? I also, I Ross in third grade but it wow. was in 2003 so I don't and you're that much better than me what have I been doing wrong <laughs> okay well that's just false information but I was not in here's factual information I was not in third grade in 2003 so I don't have that little scaling system but yeah third grade and I did but I did play basketball beforehand okay um, so that's where we're different I played basketball when I was oh I don't even know I haven't even thought about that but um, maybe for a couple of years before I picked up a lacrosse stick and definitely like watched basketball before ever watching lacrosse just because it was more accessible and so maybe that's why like for me and I would be interested to see how you experienced it too like for me playing basketball was about establishing the fundamentals of just like sports and sports concepts um, and like in my third grade team that ran through my church league that was coached by wonderful man Phil Siska who like I credit with my entire lacrosse career because he, we had a playbook that was like four inches thick and I was very small and <laughs> um, like he taught me just everything about sports concepts whereas look and I could apply that to like media that I was engaging with on a more regular basis versus lacrosse, which was more about like getting oriented to 
this weird stick that I didn't totally understand at the time and like learning all the new skills and the rules. And when I was coming through, it was every single player on the field had, had a different name for their position. It was point, it was cover point, it was third man, it was first home, second home, third home, like left attack wing, like every single person on the field had their own position name. So that was more about like an education in lacrosse specifically and lacrosse specific skills versus basketball that was like, this is the rundown of just like how sports work. <laughs> yeah. And I think you, you see that a lot in like a lot of young players, right? They, they connect soccer, they connect basketball, a lot of the same strategies um, apply to lacrosse and then lacrosse adds that extra added difficulty because of the stick. Like you said, it is an uncomfortable thing. Right. And I think the biggest, most uncomfortable skill about lacrosse is like, you could be a really awesome basketball player, or you could be a really great off ball player and understand all the strategies and where to be in zones and where to be, you know, when the ball is moving up the field and transition. But then when you put the stick in your hand and you have to cradle and handle the ball at that full speed and still understand those situations. Like, I think that was the coolest part about what, you know, kind of transitioning from those other sports that I was playing onto the lacrosse field was seeing that connection and being able to see that connection from the other sports, but also see the connection from the wall ball that I was doing, where it, all those things, you know, all those strategies became easier the more I was on the wall because I was less thinking about my stick and wondering if I was going to drop the ball or, you know, if I had to use my right hand because I'm a lefty. Um, but you know what I mean? Like all those little things where like seeing that connection of when you worked harder on the basketball court and when you worked harder on the wall and then like it all came together on the lacrosse field. Um, so I love that you were talking about just kind of the connection between a lot of those strategies and being able to see that. And I think it's really cool and unique that you saw it like parallel. It was a parallel kind of seeing like understanding for you on the basketball court and on the lacrosse field together. Um, whereas I think sometimes it's like, one and then the other. So, um, you know, I think there's a lot of different things to learn from other sports that you can take onto the lacrosse fields um, outside of just strategy too. Like, were there other things that you think playing sports throughout your entire athletic career up until college, right? Um, other things, other maybe traits or qualities or um, other strategies that you took from, from the sports that you played onto the lacrosse field with you? Yeah, I mean, I think being open to or or just being aware of before even being open to like adopting is just like being aware of how many different formats of learning exist right mm -hmm. so learning isn't just my coach is telling me to do this thing i do it he she they tells me it's right or wrong and this is why and i adjust like that is a standard definition of like learning that teacher student relationship there is peer-to-peer -peer learning which is where i probably have benefited i won't say the most but like <laughs> a, a significant amount um where you know it's it's taking that like active learner approach when you are technically out of the drill when you're grabbing water when you're on the sideline when you're waiting in line like not just goofing off like actually paying attention and watching, uh, you know, your teammates or other, you know, girls that are at the clinic or the camp, like 
watching what they're doing, seeing what is working for them and how they're able to execute it. And then how you can like adapt that and like make it your own too, I think is like the situational awareness piece um, specifically for areas where you personally are struggling. Like I, so I played lacrosse, I played basketball and then I ran cross country for six years. And every year, I kid you not, I was the worst on the team. And Lauren, why would you come back? Anyone would ask <laughs> if you were the worst, like that sounds horrible. And in many ways it was. And every day when I went to practice, the whole practice was running. And every, you know, meet our competition day, our game day, I would be last because I wasn't naturally an endurance person. And why I kept coming back was like, what I was gaining from just a mental toughness perspective <laughs> of, you know, understanding my limitations and trying to push past them every single time. It was being a good teammate in, uh, you know, a different kind of definition in a sport where you individually are racing and scoring, but like they'll calculate, you know, the top five individual scores to account for like the team score and like obviously I'm super invested in, in winning in all capacities. So it's, you know, trying to be the best teammate, you know, where you know that in a lot of ways you're letting people down with your performance. Um, and it's about like discovering motivation when it's, it's just like kind of tough to, to find that inspiration to keep going. And like, why would I do this if I'm not seeing these immediate results? And the reality was like, I was personally seeing results. It's just that as I was getting better, everyone else was also getting better. So just like, you know, net net, I was still the worst, but I, <laughs> I was like a better runner because of it. And then a better teammate, a better student of the game, a better coach because of, you know, the, the multi-format learning I was able to like take from that and carry over to the game of lacrosse. And honestly, like the feedback loop about it which I think it's always like important to take lacrosse back to the rest of your world is one lacrosse taught me like the tenacity about actually drilling in new skills. Um, and then two, I don't remember what two was, but the tenacity of drilling in new skills was really important. <laughs> you got me there. I was really invested. <laughs> then you threw me for a loop, but I mean, such, such, such important little notes there because I think that no matter what sports or hobbies or different things that everyone, you know, kind of does as they're growing up, like that shapes who you are as a person and it shapes how you learn, how you listen to people in authority, right. In authoritative positions, how you handle criticism, how you are able to handle, like you said, negative situations that a lot of other people around you might've been saying, like, like you said, what, what are we, what are we doing this for? Why are we coming back? But being able to find that positivity and that motivation, that self-motivation to become a better runner in your, in your own goals and be able to crush your own goals, that's all that necessarily matters. So I'm sure that, I mean, when you were talking about your becoming a better runner as a cross country, um, you know, runner and in yourself, I think when you were talking about self-motivation, I connected to 2020 immediately and just when you were talking about it, right? Like you might not be seeing your, the whole might not be seeing the results. The big picture might not be seeing the results, but you were seeing them. 
and in little things. And you were able to continue to keep yourself motivated and continue to see that extra like end goal. So um, I think that's a soft little reminder for all of us that are going through an interesting year um, to, to continue to keep going and whatever that might be. Yeah. And I think like on that point of clarity, you know, at the end of the day, like looking yourself one-on-one in the mirror, I think it's really important to just like be honest with your progress. And we know very well that progress is non-linear. Like you're not necessarily just going to get better every single day in this way by this much if you perform this single activity. Like it, it happens differently for everyone in all of these different ways, right? And so for me, like a lot of even the lowest points of like my worst scores, what I learned was all of this really helpful information about how I was preparing. And so like, there's always something to learn and there's always something to gain um, as long as you're paying attention and you're okay with like having the negative result. Like that doesn't mean that you're failing, you know, just in case like the stats aren't necessarily lined up with your your goals. So just like be kind to yourself in the way that you evaluate feedback, but also like be accountable to yourself in the way that you keep yourself focused on like actually turning what's actually happening. Honestly, like these are the raw numbers. This is the raw data into like how you can then improve. If you are tracking, you know, your action plan based off of like, I actually got, you know, two minutes faster when like everyone knows you didn't and you know you didn't, like you're not gonna get better. So just be honest with yourself. <laughs> okay. I love it, that's true. I did not get two minutes faster on whatever I ran today. <laughs> I'll be honest with whoever's listening to this podcast episode. Um, <laughs> but I think that's that's so important, right? Honesty is the best policy in so many ways, especially when you're being honest with yourself. It's the only way you're gonna see results in whatever your goals might be. Um, so obviously you've taken a lot of really good, um, kind of different traits and and qualities about you as a person, as a, as a player, as a whole too. And a lot of these were developed throughout your high school career. Um, what would you say, like going into getting recruited by Northwestern, right? Into your whole recruiting process as a lacrosse player. Um, what would you say were some of the most important qualities that you think ended up connecting you with Northwestern throughout that recruiting process. Talk about like the whole process and when you found lacrosse was, was the sport for you and how it was going to take you to Northwestern and then how you ended up a wildcat. It's it's so crazy to think about because honestly, like some days when I think about it, it feels like it could have been last week. And then I reminded that it was several years ago. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think it all started, you know, during the recruiting process when I was trying to figure out like really what I wanted. And that sounds like a very simple question and it is really difficult to answer because it's 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 not just what I want, it's like what I want in the future and how, you know, how will the choices that I make now like dictate the rest of my life and like it's a really heavy consideration set and process for like anyone in high school. Like, I I don't know, it can be really overwhelming at times. Um, And so I think I first level set my expectations knowing like, 
I'm a pretty adaptable person. And I know that there are multiple schools out there where I will have a good experience is the first thing. It's not like needle haystack, first mm-hmm. of all. Second of all, I think you consider your like academic requirements and your athletic requirements. Like what are you expecting your daily life to be? And that could be, you know, the decisioning factor into what division you want to compete at, whether or not it's at the like varsity collegiate level or whether or not it's intramural. If you want to be a two sport athlete, like for instance, if I wanted to run cross country and play lacrosse at Northwestern, which would never happen, (laughs) but (laughs) like for someone out there that might be a consideration. So for me specifically, I knew that the only sport that I would play in college would be lacrosse. And I knew that I couldn't picture a day in my life without a team practice or a film session or a team meal or travel to a game or a game itself or whatever. Like that, that to me, like, do I, don't I was never the question because it's just, it's always been a part of, I think both of our lives um, that I, I don't know that I would ever be able to live without it. For Northwestern specifically, it was my dream school, I think because it balanced super rigorous academics and like the highest level of competition lacrosse wise that I could have dreamed up. And so for me, that was like the holy grail opportunity and I should be so lucky if they are also interested in me. And so to, to help like stand out at camps and clinics, like I was really focused on just going a hundred percent max effort on the really gritty skills and trying to sell myself as like an athlete first um, and an, an adaptable one where these are like, like the coaches could get a sense of my raw skills that they could then apply and enhance, you know, in a, in a lacrosse specific way. Like I was never, I, I laugh, like having a visual in my mind of like your stick skills versus mine. Like I was never the lacrosse player in like a pretty package when it came to skills, but like you better believe that if there was a 50, 50 ball on the ground, I was absolutely bodying someone to go get it. And so that's sort of like the piece of me that I wanted to share on the field and then off the field, like we were talking before about being in between the whistles and kind of joking around, like I wanted to show my personality too. Like I think oftentimes in a recruiting process, because there's so much pressure to make a decision, to like get an offer, to like publish it to the world and say, hey, everyone, this is where I'm going as like, you know. That's my announcement. Um, I think we sometimes lose that it really is a two-way choice of best fit. And so I wanted to make sure that Northwestern wanted me for me and that I wanted Northwestern for Northwestern. And so that's where I feel like we really did overlap in like that sort of Venn diagram world where we valued like just getting the job done like we valued the hard work we valued, um, you know, if you make a mistake, it's, it's more about what you do after that to like get the ball back. 
than it is about the mistake itself. It's about like the mental toughness aspect of, of that. And then it's about like being a good teammate and uh, being really invested in learning and being a part of something bigger than yourself. Like I, I found that I just, as I discovered more about the program and as I like opened up more with my experience with the coaches and like the players that were already on the team, it just, you kind of felt that, that gut and like, you know, like alignment in a way. And I'm sure you had a similar experience with, with Stony Brook. Um, but yeah, I think it's hard to like kind of drill down into exact characteristics, but more like at your core character, how do you respond to things? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that you put it in a Venn diagram because <laughs> that like goes back to your entire connection of a visual learner, like you were talking about before, um, puts it in an exact graph. But I think that's that's really the best way to do it, right? A lot of times we put um, in recruiting processes or in big decision-making processes, we put things in pros and cons lists. But what about the overlap, right? And what about the the alignment where it comes from both sides, right? A lot of decisions have to come from both sides. And that's probably one of those ones, like you mentioned, in your lifetime where you're looking ahead and you're like, okay, is this going to be the right decision for the fu- my future or the wrong decision for my future as a lacrosse player, as a young athlete, right? Like it's it's a lot of those pros, cons list, but you want to make sure that everything overlaps as well and kind of aligns as, as you go. And sometimes we don't find that connection until we get there. Like you said, I, I definitely did at Stony Brook in my time. I mean, I, I found my people and I know that you did too. Um, so I want to hear a little bit about your people um, because my people and your people, we didn't get along while we were, <laughs> while we were at in wearing separate uniforms. But, but that's just part of it, right? You're inside your own locker room and outside those walls, like nobody else matters. So, um, you know, like what was, what were some of those moments for you where you look back now and you're like, okay, those are my people. Like that was a special moment. Um, you know, for me, some of those moments were like in the locker room when we would get weird before the games, like just random stuff that like, I would not even be able to say on this podcast or even, to you separately right now, but <laughs> like just those things where you look back and you're like, okay, that's it though. Like you look back and you're like, damn, like those were the good old days. Like what were some of those moments for you? I think one like blanket moment, which I had so many times because we did like a lot of fitness evaluations is which, what we called them, um, was like our field was positioned like directly adjacent to Lake Michigan, which if you didn't know any better, you would think was the ocean. And so it would be in the middle of an incredibly grueling fitness test, like often a surprise, which is great. Um, You'd be in the middle of it, sometimes not even knowing like what the entire list of things that you had to achieve were and at like the crux of that (laughs) dilemma while you're like being physically, emotionally and mentally taxed, like you would have a moment. And oftentimes, honestly, like this was super top of mind and conscious for Kelly Amati Hiller. And she would like commentate um, in between reps, like about, you know, the people to your right and the people to your left standing on the line and then, and how they important they were and how you weren't going through this alone and how, you know, you, were able to like share energy amongst a group 
and also from your environment. So then we would look up and we would hear the waves crashing on like the rocks right by our field. And we would look up and we would see the Chicago skyline from our field, like peeking out throughout like the skies. And it was in moments like those where you just kind of realized that you were a part of something so much bigger than yourself, um, which that always takes me back. And so anytime that I do get the chance to visit, I'll try to take a quiet moment on the field and just like put myself back in uh, those shoes. And so definitely moments of, like that where, you know, you really feel like you're battling it out with the only people in the world that know what you're going through, which is, you know, the 40 or so girls that are standing to your right and left. Um, and then, I mean, I think about like, like for us, all the games that we traveled to, we had to fly because we just like couldn't drive. So. I think about downtime in the airport and I think about doing like karaoke on the bus. And I think about just like, I don't know, all the kind of like moments in between the moments, if you will, uh, that, that became like highlights in and of themselves, like which you wouldn't necessarily know from watching a game mm -hmm. on TV or being there in person. It's like, it's when you leave those high impact moments and then, you know, you, you go home back to your apartment that, or your house that you share with your teammates. And it's just you guys, you know, like that, I think, again, going back to that people in proximity thing, like that's super, super special. And so any opportunity where I'm back with my people, which again, at the time, <laughs> our people did not mesh, but now I feel like we do. Um, <laughs> like it just takes you right back. My people versus your people any day. I'm just any kidding. day. <laughs> You'd say the same. Oh, I love it. Though. <laughs> and I also, you scared me for a half second there when you said that anytime you visit, you go back to the field. I thought you were going to say that you do a fitness test while you're there. Literally never again. Yeah. I was going to say that's something. I'm not coming with you <laughs> next time. Oh, that is some dedication. Goes back to your cross country roots. Love it. <laughs> Uh, but that's so special. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think that's, it's really cool to hear you share, right? Because my moments and my people and my like spot on the field that I would go visit now, right? Like is, it's similar, but it's different. And I think that's so cool about everybody's journey and just hearing those stories, um, being able to share them now um, is really, really great. And I think something that I take a lot into my post-collegiate career now too, have been my mentors up until this point and a lot of the things that they've taught me and that have, you know, like the same way that that feeling on the line in the middle of sprints, looking out of the Chicago skyline for you brings back, you know, some words or some words of wisdom that I'll see in a tweet now, or I'll, you know, hear on a voicemail or something like that will bring me back to a specific moment like that. So, um, in that sense, you know, like who are some of your mentors and what are, what are some like little tidbits of advice that they've thrown your way throughout your lacrosse journey? Yeah, it's such a great question. I think in a lot of ways, I definitely, I believe that everyone has a message for you. And that's something that like my mom always said to me. Um, so I try to, you know, whether it's someone that I've known forever or someone that I'm just meeting, like try to kind of take stock of any sort of conversations that we have and 
and make sure to ask leading questions and just like, you know, kind of like really pay attention. Um, so in a lot of ways I consider, you know, anyone that I meet to be a, a mentor at some, at some level. Um, I think I have a number of people like in the lacrosse world in now my professional life in my family life that just like are able to provide words of wisdom from different perspectives. So like I consider my coaches from Northwestern great mentors to me um, and who have like helped me along the way, like during college to find wherever my place was on the team. And then also like helping network and helping make connections for, you know, that next step. Like I consider a mentor, like someone who is really invested in your growth, like in an unmotivated way for them personally, like someone that just wants you to become the best version of who you are. And so like one thing that I remember my coach is always saying, is just like next play. Like you have to just take things sort of one play at a time. And then again, as it's happening in real time, be a hundred percent present, be where your feet are. And then depending on the outcome, like if it doesn't go well, move on. And you really have to let go to be able to move on completely and to give, you know, your next 100% to whatever that next play is. I think so often, especially when you get to like the competition season and um, just like keeping track of stats and like wins and losses and all of that stuff, you can kind of get caught up in how you performed and, you know, like not necessarily focusing on it for the purposes of getting better, but just to like hit a number. And so next play was always something that I took from my coaches um, as like my most direct mentors in the lacrosse world, I would say. Um, I think I'm always interested in, in watching like anyone either in the lacrosse world or in the wider world itself, just like anyone who's doing something differently and kind of just like getting their why, like, how did you come up with that? First of all, like, what are all the things that you tried first that failed? Like that, what is it? That Thomas, that Thomas Edison quote about finding like a hundred reasons to make a light bulb the wrong way. Like, <laughs> like I'm not failing. Like I just found all of these instances where what I was trying did not work. So it's really just like, I'm narrowing it down. Um, so like in general, just looking out for people that are doing things differently and, and just kind of, you know, embracing the energy around that and the thought process around that and trying to like adapt that for myself. So that was like a very loose general answer. I think Love it's hard that. for me to like identify specific mentors. Well, it's hard for you because like you said, you take something from everybody who passes by, right? Yeah. Like, and I think that's really special. Not and try to give some stuff back to, I guess I should say. <laughs> well, of course, you can't just take and you never <laughs> <Yeah>. give. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Plus, I don't see you being that kind of person. So, um, <laughs> but that's a really, that's a really cool, unique trait about you, right? And that's something that I think a lot of us listeners will take. I definitely will take into my day tomorrow and moving, moving forward in my life. You know, I think that people are around to do specific things and it they might not have motivation to to make a difference in your life per se but they could um right and they could have an impact on your life in some way if you're looking for it 
So um, definitely being open to that and being susceptible to that. I think that's, you know, giving and receiving. It's the holiday season. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So let's talk post-collegiate lacrosse and life. So you are in a rare situation where you're both in corporate America and in the professional lacrosse world. How does that work? Where's our Venn diagram at here? Um, where, how does that work for you mentally, physically? Like what does a day in your life look like? And, um, you know, prioritizing things on your schedule and things like that. Is it something that you feel really, um, you know, I guess blessed to be able to do? I think that's really, really awesome. And I don't know how you do it. So please uh, enlighten us on how you do what you do. <laughs> I think definitely, yes, feeling blessed to be able to participate in just like different, you know, extensions of life, 100%. I think I will not pretend that it's just like, oh, you know, this old thing, like my schedule, like it's so easy and anyone could pull it off and everything is a dream. Like, no, I would print out those like monthly calendars. I wouldn't even invest. I probably should have just invested in like a yearly planner, but I would print out those monthly calendars and just write and color code and highlight my travel for like where I had to be by when, figure out my trains, my flights, if I could hop in and carpool with someone, whatever it was. And being like logistically organized took the stress off where I then was really just able to like manage expectations with work, with the league, like this is what I can do. You know me personally and that if it's within a very generous definition of what is reasonable, I will do it. And so- you did go to Japan. <laughs> in For three days, twice. <laughs> and so like for me, taking out the logistical piece and then taking out like the expectations and like the sort of anticipated friction, I think from both sides, that's really like where the tension lives. Otherwise it's two things that I love that I get to do both of. Like, so that part was great. And then I think it's like, you get to charge and activate like different sides of your brain and your personality. And like, you get to build different, both meaningful like relationships, um, you get to like, while you're sort of downloading and, and taking a break from one thing, you get to like really activate another thing. And that for me was always like a really major part of just where I drew like a, a calming energy and like a recovery, but then also like a confidence and an exploratory nature. Like I'm a Gemini, like there's always two things happening at once. So for me, like it was always about finding that balance um, and staying occupied. And then like where work was really challenging me mentally and lacrosse was challenging me like physically, like then I also looped in music to give me like that emotional piece. Um, and they all really worked nicely together in whatever form throughout the year. So. I think it's doable. I think the main piece is the organization and it's not the fun piece unless you color code it like me and then it becomes fun. It's just like, you have to get through that to like be able to really, again, like be where your feet are, enjoy the experience that you've set up for yourself. Otherwise you're just stressed for no reason. 
color coding is going to solve world peace one day. Someday. I'm, I'm saying it right here, right now. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know, cause I'm with you on that. <laughs> you said yeah. color coding and I was all ears. Um, <laughs> so let's dive into, you mentioned it really, really quickly. And I apologize that I didn't mention it sooner, but your music. Um, I mean, my music is a generous description of- Oh, please. Okay. <laughs> but hold on. You've got way more music than I do. If I started singing right now, you guys would all shut off this podcast immediately. But <laughs> I had the pleasure of watching Lauren serenade, uh, what, like 30 to 50 professional lacrosse players, men's and women's, plus- uh, everyone on Team Japan and all of their friends and family as well um, at a post-game celebration in Tokyo um, on a piano. We had, it was, it was amazing. And she just absolutely crushed it. We were like, hey, yeah, go sing one of your songs. And she was like, okay, sure. And loved it. Like loved the energy that you put out into that room. And like, that's something I'll never forget. How did you, how did you get into music and how did you, know that that was something that you wanted to spend a lot of your time and like you said your emotional efforts on um and can you share more of it with the world please <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for that memory it really <laughs> brings back some major anxiety for me um and you know just on that I think what's great about the athletic community at least the one that I've experienced and that you were very much a, a direct part of is like widespread appreciation for just like a real person and just like how how you're similar but also how you're different and just like accepting someone for who they are and how they are like that and treating that less about like toleration and more about like genuine acceptance and like interest um that is like something that you know I walked out of that room in Tokyo post-game celebration with this like wonderful mix of people feeling like, oh, wow. Like I, you know, just did that for what was probably like a minute and a half, but like felt like a lifetime. And it was such a comfortable space and a safe space for me to like put myself out there. And I think like whether you're in practice or in a classroom or, um, you know, in your community or in your family, like being a hand raiser and being someone to just like go first and if you make a fool out of yourself like it's okay <laughs> um because what it does is like hopefully open up the opportunity for someone else to then be the second hand raiser and third and like that's really where again that growth happens but also like where those true laughs and memories and relationships really even stem from so thank you for the memory <laughs> that was a, a scary moment for me but i'm happy i did it um, oh, I was so happy for the rest of us. So I'm sorry that we <laughs> <hear> you. <laughs> oh man, I think it was Lauren Lay's idea too. Of course to it was. It. All yeah. the good things. Um, all you know, the best things. The best things were Lauren Lee's idea on that trip. Oh man. Lauren, oh. if you're listening, I know you will be. Um, <laughs> but I mean, talk about like, I know you, you put some posts on your Instagram and everything like that, right? Of you singing and you write a lot of music too. Um, which I love because I used to creatively write a lot, never songs because I can't sing them, but like I would creatively write a lot of like poems and just whatever words came off my, my head. And um, it's something that I definitely need to get back into some more. So I've always appreciated it a ton, but 
talk about like where, where, when did that start? Did you always do that growing up or um, how, how did that go for you? Yeah. Well, first off, I would love to read anything <laughs> that you've written, whatever you're willing to share. Okay. And then, and I won't put you on the spot with it now, but that is always an open door. Secondly, um, I started taking like piano lessons when I was pretty young and not in the way that's like very impressive and classically trained, but more in the way of like, hey, how can I learn like this one song by Nora Jones and just like play it until everyone begs me to stop. <laughs> and so like that was sort of just how I learned to like, I don't know, even just like get the mechanics of playing an instrument. Um, and I learned a lot of like other songs just like by ear, like plugged in with wires to my iPod. <laughs> um, and like just trying to like figure it out and, and learn something new um, that was like different than an on court or on field experience too. And then writing, I always enjoyed creative writing also. I think the piano is probably the key to like actually tracking that to music. So I would say maybe middle school, I really started writing and I, <laughs> the first song that I wrote was like a, a graduation song for our eighth grade moving up ceremony. So that was really like my foray into, uh, <laughs> into performance. Um, and so, yeah, I think like it started as a way for me to just like process like life and anything that I was going through and like anything I needed to get off my chest, like that was a way for me to realize it. Um, and then that continued, you know, for years and years, I went to college I picked up guitar in college, like my senior year, um, after we took like a trip to Malibu where we like randomly met Kenny Chesney on the beach. And I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but nope. wow. it was wild. And like, I'm a huge country music fan. So like, I don't know, we got to talking and then I came back and I bought a guitar. And so tried to like figure that out. And then that <laughs> unleashed like, a whole new like avenue of like music writing for me and then um took that to like my life in new york and started playing shows like in the city um and i don't know it's just like been something that i could always rely on as like a way to process emotions where having like a heart-to-heart -heart conversation about what i was feeling wasn't necessarily always a strength of mine um i, I probably would say like even still now like, and that's definitely something that I'm working on not to get like too deep on this call, but <laughs> um, like, usually it would be like, you know, processing feelings. And then three months later, I would have like a look back retrospective and be like, oh yes, write a song about it and then publish it to the world and be like, this is how I was feeling. <laughs> so um, everything always has like a three month look back. <laughs> I'm with you, except I'm not publishing songs about it. So I don't really know where the, all those emotions are going. Probably. <laughs> in here somewhere <laughs> but that's amazing and I can't wait for you to share more um I always love when you post a, a little Instagram video I listen to it every single time 
Um, so you got a fan in me, just like you said, you, you look at all my KO17 app stuff. I watch all your videos. So we're just obsessing, um, quietly on, on each end of the phone over here, but, um, I love it. And I can't wait to get to know you a little bit more through our last segment, which is called quick finishes. But before that, um, real quick, we have a couple of questions that were actually really, really intriguing questions from some of our KO17 lacrosse um girls here so first one and she's actually on this call here um sarah asked was northwestern always your dream school and what was the most challenging part of playing division one? Ooh, well thank you for the question sarah i will say i think yeah as soon as i like really immerse myself in it like when I was coming through earlier in my career, like middle school, the only games that were ever aired were mm -hmm. like the national championship. And so I, I wasn't necessarily exposed to like the full Northwestern conversation, specifically at that time when it was like, you know, for, for those spread of years, like they were number one. Um, I, I kind of like sat outside that world and then as I got older, became more experienced, like started to just learn more about it. It became my number one, just like slowly through that process. It just like, we never tuned in from such a young age, nor was like that much available to even know about it yet, which I think is such a different experience for anyone coming through now. Like there's so much available. So you have to really actively choose, you know, where you spend your, your time and attention. Um, so yeah, I think it quickly became my favorite just because of the legacy that that Kelly built um, and how she like really pioneered the Westward movement of, of lacrosse out of the Northeast and and the you know style of game that they were playing that was just like different than everyone else and, and really just engrossing myself in that that story. Um, and then the culture around it, you know, definitely like we aligned, like we said in that Venn diagram. And then the what was it? The trickiest part, the toughest part, most challenging part. Yes. Most challenging part, I think was probably just like being very used to being a multi-sport athlete where like I had three, you know, seasons where I could sort of like bucket myself mentally of, okay, in the fall, I ran cross country and was the worst. And then in the winter I played basketball and like used all these skills from you know, I was however yay big. And then spring was like my lacrosse season. And that was like where I focused like most of my energy. Then you get to college and for like a single sport collegiate athlete, like it's that one thing all the time. So I think what was challenging was just like getting acclimated to a schedule like that. And then layering in, you know, regular adjustments to college life and living away from home and being in like college classes and like trying to figure out what your major was and like all of those regular pressures layered with like trying to make sure that you're growing every day with lacrosse and like refueling your motivation and everything like that amazing answer i missed <laughs> volleyball all the time when yeah. i was playing lacrosse full year round right like it just it's part of like just your blood right you yeah. those, those other buckets and that other time period where it was like oh okay fall is 
the fall sport and then you know spring comes around and you're super excited for lacrosse um but I, th I think that's really important that you mentioned that uh we actually just got another question from someone else on the call here whose name is kylie rock on love that um <laughs> but how did you get over some of those um mental blocks like getting hard on yourself maybe mid-game or even just in general um yeah perfect Another great question. Thank you, Kylie. Other Kylie. Not me. Um, <laughs> I've had zero good questions here. Kylie Henderson is crushing this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, amazing. Well, what's so funny is I would always think about the coverage of like Alyssa Murray and like everyone would call her Murr and like Murdoch and Murray. And then if we were ever in the same like world together, which was slim opportunities, I'd just be like, I'm the other Murray. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> So other Kylie, you have a place <laughs> and a voice. Um, I think I think it was really about learning how to ask for help and being comfortable with, like being uncomfortable like we thought, like we talked about earlier, but like specifically with wrestling through like tricky moments, just like being comfortable with being vulnerable and having the confidence that you know, your coaching staff and your teammates and your family and your friends and whoever you have to depend you depend, depend on, um, like whoever makes up that support system for you, like really believing that they have your best interest at heart and they want to see you succeed. And by like raising your hand and, and saying that I either like don't know how to do something or asking for feedback, like no one's ever going to look at it like, oh, you don't know how to do this or like, oh, like what a stupid question or like something like that. So like, please continue, continue to put yourself out there. I think that whether it was in the middle of the game, asking for like real-time feedback on this is what I'm trying and it's not working or like fighting through mentally on trying to like break into a lineup or that you're really overwhelmed with classes, especially when it comes to like tournament time or um, you know, anything that you're really going through, it's about asking for help as soon as you recognize the signs that you are under like whatever level of duress. Mm -hmm. And you can obviously, you know, ask for help at any point, but the earlier that you can do it, the, the more likely it will be, you know, that you can fix it or curb it or have the support to deal with it and move through it without getting to like code red. So yeah, I think it was about like asking the right questions and then also just being there for your teammates too and making sure that that was like really a, a cultural thread of just the relationships on the team was being like a good team player and, and being open to, to helping everyone just like grow and be healthy and happy and um, yeah. Happy and healthy, always important. <laughs> I love it. Great question, Kylie and Sarah. Um, we are going to go right into our quick finishes here. This is our last part, and I'm super excited for this one. Um, just like, you know, when you run all the way down the field and you go and score, and it's a nice quick little finish. That happens all the time, right? All the time. Uh, <laughs> um, we're going to do really rapid fire quick little questions here, and then we'll wrap up. So you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So our singer here, go-to karaoke song. Oof, um, maybe some like Motown, like ain't no mountain high enough situation is a, is a fan favorite. 
Wow, we played that song every time in a locker room after we won at Stony Brook. <laughs> Love it. Great answer. You're my favorite guest. Okay. Favorite place that you've traveled to? I mean, how could I not say Japan? <laughs> I've had I've had really wonderful experiences. This is a long finish because I'm not an attacker and I don't do quick finishes, but I've had like I've been blessed with great opportunities to visit places I never would have otherwise probably seen, definitely not in my early 20s, mid 20s, soon to be late 20s, but like maybe in my lifetime. Um, and they're all really special to me, but you know, Japan was probably the first one where, you know, I got to spend some time with cool people like you. We limboed a lot too. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Pizza or tacos? Tacos? Good answer. Night owl or morning person? Night owl, 100%. Okay, one band or artist that you'd want to see in concert that you haven't seen yet? That I haven't seen yet? Jeez. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's hard. I feel like I've seen a lot of people that I wanted to see. I don't know, like the Beatles or like something that I can't possibly see. Exactly. You you're you're yeah. overall. Love it. Okay. Favorite candy? Something chocolate. Anything chocolate. One yeah. thing on your bucket list? Um, be able to go outside again. <laughs> For those of you who are listening, <laughs> Mer lives in Manhattan. Um, <laughs> what's your spirit animal? A giraffe. Oh, you knew that right away. How'd you know that right away? Because I like to think that I have like my head in the sky with a really tall neck and be able to like look at things from a giraffe's eye view, not to be confused with the bird's eye view, giraffe's eye view. And then also like have the ground level sense of like, you know, realism. Being grounded. Like sky in the head, head in the sky, <laughs> feet on the ground. <laughs> It's late. <laughs> I was gonna it's been a long day and the thought was there. It was there. <laughs> we put it together. <laughs> Head in the sky, feet on the ground. We got it. I love that. That's really great. Um, because it's so important to see things from the big picture, especially in difficult times. Um, and also so important to stay grounded and not feel too high up there in the sky. So uh, giraffe it is good for you that's a great answer right there what's I, yours I was just gonna say I'm not prepared I don't know what my spirit <laughs> someday I'm gonna have a podcast and we'll be on it okay. and the entire thing will be quick finishes <laughs> and it'll be the best I think I'm gonna have to just maybe do that and have every single guest that I've ever had on on one call and just do a game a Jeopardy game of quick finishes. Amazing. It's either that or you send me over everything you've ever written and then we can call it even. Okay, fine. All right. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. You're going to have to, you're going to have to do some convincing on that front. But um, in return, I would like you to write a song about me. Um, deal. <laughs> good deal. All right. Well, that concludes our episode. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here, for chatting with us, for sharing so much wisdom. I mean, I know I was taking mental notes over here on this side. So I know that our listeners did as well. Um, so many little tidbits of really good stuff from you and your journey. So um, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for being in my life. 
Um, I can't wait till we can again go outside again, maybe go to Japan again sometime soon, go yes. somewhere else, anywhere else. But Lauren Lee and I were talking about Spain. I, you you guys put me in that group chat. I was there. Yeah. I, I'm down. Okay, great. We'll stay safe. We'll do it. Okay. Yeah. In the future. In It's on the bucket list. We just put it on the quick finishes bucket list right there. But um, seriously, Mar, thank you so much for all that you are and all that you do. And um, again, you rock. You're the best. Thank you. I hope to see you soon. Thanks so much for having me on. You are a wonderful inspiration to all of us. Oh, right back at you. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in. Stay safe. See you again next week.